Hi everyone, welcome to Conspiracy Crimes and Cannabis. I'm your host Chris, and this is my co-host, my wife Jessica. What's up? And uh, today, guys, we are doing finally our re-recording, and we're finally putting out an episode. Uh, we're we're starting our series on Annalise Mikkel. Uh, this is a story of demonic possession, whether you want to believe it or not. I'm gonna be a give a spoiler. I don't. But it's a very interesting story. And regardless of whether or not it is actually demonic possession, everything we're going to talk about in this story actually happened. Uh, there's videotapes of it and audio tapes of it um, that we'll be playing throughout the episode. But uh, yeah, this is a very interesting story. Now, like I said, this is a reshoot because around I want to, this episode was supposed to come out probably like three weeks ago now. And. Uh, when this actually does come out, I think it's been four weeks. And the audio just got completely fucked up. So I was pissed and I've been putting it off. Or we we kind of both have. We've also just been busy. It's been really cold. Yeah, also it's been very cold and it makes it hard to record. But that's just pussy talk. No, nah, I'm cold. I got fragile bones and shit. I can't be out in the cold. She has long. glass bones and paper skin. Mm. Anyways, guys, if you are new here, every week we talk about a weird true crime or conspiracy or something like that. I don't even know what this would fall under. I guess really exorcisms are their own category. And uh, this is the start of a two-part series, like I said. So if you like this episode, come back next Wednesday for part two. It's only going to be a two-parter. So we're going through half of the entire story today. Then the week after that, we're starting a two-part series on Betty and Barney Hill, an alien abduction story. So that's kind of our schedule for the next month, uh, four weeks. Actually, it might uh, bleed into next month since this is a short month. We're in February now. All right. Uh, normally, before we get into these cases, we like to smoke some weed uh, per the name, Conspiracy Crimes and Cannabis. And we are not going to be doing anything different. We got a bong loaded up right in Literally, like, it's blocking Jessica's face. Like, this bong is huge. She's girthy. So we have our strain today is, is Pancakes by a company called Buzz. And um, this is an ounce of it that we got. It's an Indica. I think I said that. And it is really fucking good. Uh, we've been smoking on it for a bit now. I have other strains, but ever since, like, that I smoke on, but ever since I've gotten this, it's the only thing I've been smoking on. It is so good, and it it gives me the fucking munchies like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, this weed gets you so hungry. It's really weird. I've never had, like, a strain really get me, like, famished, but this one does. Famished. Um, I also have, I know you have a cartridge, but I don't know what you have on it, but I have a cart that I'm hitting on throughout the episode, a weed cart. Uh, my strain is... Uh, papaya i don't know what yours is i have a honey leaf i'm pretty sure it's an indica oh i know what it is it's uh it's a hybrid it's skittles Skittles. yeah it's pretty good it is very good uh, these are both live resin carts also all right well let's just start smoking the bowl before we start talking about annalise mckell and uh yeah let's just get the fuck right into it i want to get high i i'm literally right off of work I just got home from work and I just want to get high as fuck. Oh my god, I packed that bowl really fucking tight. That took a lot of... Oh god, took a lot of fucking breath out of me. That is really good. Not only does it get me extremely high, 
and a good high because you know every different weed strain you get is going to feel somewhat different and oh man this one gets me just feeling so good i feel so relaxed it's such a great weed to smoke at the end of a long work day like i had today um yeah it's fucking awesome great strain tastes amazing and i'm i mean i'm not feeling it yet i just hit it but i i know i will in a second how's the strain um pretty good i think i feel pretty zooted because i took a few pen rips before yeah in the middle of your intro of the podcast when you said what's up you were taking a pen hit all right time for my second hit it's all about the second hit that's the one right it's like a fucking one two one two punch have we talked about it how we saw puss in boots and how fucking awesome it was I think we did for like maybe a second. I don't think we, I don't think so. I think we saw it after we recorded last. Oh, well, yeah. Puss in Boots was pretty good. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Why was, why was the Puss in Boots movie one of the best new movies I've seen in a while? It was so fucking funny. Why was it so funny? I don't, I, it was, for me, it was the cricket. (laughs) Oh, Jiminy Cricket? Yeah, for me, it was the cricket. There's like the fucking first joke in the in the whole movie is Puss in Boots walking on some little kid's face and then he's like, Daddy, he stepped on my face. Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like I just can't. Yeah, some of this shit's really funny. Oh, well, actually. 10 out of 10 good movies. It's maybe been, I just took my second hit. It's maybe been like two minutes, three minutes since that first hit. I'm feeling high as fuck already. I love it. All right, well. The bull's out, and uh, we usually only only smoke one bull before these cases, so I say it's time to start. Uh, so let's get into the story of Annalise McKell again. Um, so I have a, for part one, I have a book of research. It, this whole outline I did is split into two sections. And first part, the main source, actually pretty much the only source uh, besides a couple random websites, like Wikipedia and things are, is this book by John M. Duffy called, very long title, Jesus Christ, right? Lessons Learned, The Annalise McKell Exorcism, The Implementation of a Safe and Thorough Examination, Determination, and Exorcism of Demonic Possession. So that is the title. Mouthful, I know. And let's see. So for part two, my source is going to be the book Annalise McKell a True Story of a Case of Demonic Possession by Lawrence LeBlanc. And, all right, so let's get started. I want to, I definitely want to get this part over with so I can get into the new stuff. New, it, This is new for you guys, but it's not new for Jess. Mm-mm. And that's the whole point. I love giving you, if you don't know this, I mean, eventually we're going to talk about, like, Gacy. You know a lot. You probably know more about Gacy and Bundy than I do. You could probably fucking teach me. Mm. Uh, yeah, kind of. I think just the ones that are more known about and everyone talks about, I tend to learn less about because I like learning about these these weird niche cases, like things like the Toy Box Killer. Like, you've never heard of him, have you? I don't think so, no. That guy's fucking crazy. We'll talk. He's... Oh, God, <clears throat> he's... I actually don't know if I want to talk about him. He's rough. Anyways, this isn't about David Parker Ray. That's the name of the Toy Box Killer. That's another episode. This is Annalise McKell. So, Annalise was born on September 21st, 1952 in Liebelfing. <laughs> it's, 
it's just the way it's spelled is so fucking funny. You can't see it. I'm staring at it right now. Liebelfing, Bavaria, West Germany. And she was born into a Roman Catholic family, and she was born as An- uh, Anna Elizabeth McKell. But uh, she preferred to go by Annalise, so that's what everyone calls her and knows her by. So her family consisted of her, three sisters, and her parents, Joseph and Anna. Joseph was a World War II veteran who fought for Germany on the Eastern Front. And as a kid, Annalise would love to hear her father's war stories. And uh, he was known to be a very loving and caring father, but it's possible he suffered from some kind of PTSD because he was very disconnected from himself and was reported to have trouble showing his affection for his family properly. So a lot of people think that's PTSD from the war, which, I mean, that makes the most sense, of course. Fucking World War II? Jesus. Both of her parents, Anna and Joseph, were very proud of Annalise, and they had a lot of love for her. And uh, Annalise's older sister, Martha, at eight years old. Now, Annalise was the second oldest. Martha was the oldest. And at eight, she died due to a kidney disease. So now Annalise was the oldest child in the house, which means that uh, Anna's expectations of her kind of just rose, you know, and it, it, it could easily be something that's too much for Annalise, especially at a young age. On top of that, uh, her mom was very strict and religious, and this is going to be very important, and uh, she was described as being overbearing and suffocating. The kids were forbidden to hang out with any boys, uh, and if, if one of their girlfriends had a brother, they weren't allowed to hang out with them. Wow. Uh, the girls weren't allowed to go to any school dances, and uh, anything that they wore was, and anything that they watched or listened to was extremely, like, controlled. Uh, mainly by Anna. Like I said, Joseph was kind of disconnected from himself. People, That's like a quote from the book, disconnected from himself. Uh, like I said, PTSD probably. Like a disassociative state. So Anna was the one doing most of this religious controlling. Um, also, I think it's Anna, but I'm saying Anna because it makes it easier to tell the difference between uh, Anna and Annalise. Yeah. It's weird. I had a lot of trouble when I was writing it. Yeah. So I think the mom's name is actually Anna. Anytime the girls expressed any sort of like sexual development or they asked any kind of questions about anything remotely sexual, uh, they were scolded and reminded of the Catholic views on sex and just their family's views on it. When Annalise was 13 in 1965, she enrolled into the Dahlberg Gymnasium in Aschaffenburg, and every day she took a train. Uh, to there from her home and she said that she liked this a lot uh the train ride and just the whole gymnasium uh, it was a moment to get away from her family and the just constraints of it she was known as a great student and was always said to be happy and playful they always start out like that and then some some horrible trauma induced shit happens so that's all i really have for her early early life there's not a ton but this is where it starts to get a little more detailed So we're going to start with her early health issues, and this is going to be very important for what's later to come. So at 16, at some point in 1968, uh, Annalise blacked out for a little bit while she was in class, and her classmates, like the witnesses, said that she entered some sort of trance-like state. And Annalise told her friends that she was okay, but she was probably just tired from studying. So when she went to bed that night, this is when she experienced her first a real instance of sleep paralysis. Now, I've had sleep paralysis before, and that shit is terrifying. 
Uh, have you ever had it before? No, but I know a couple people have, like my brother. He said it was pretty terrifying. I've never seen like a sleep paralysis demon like a lot of people see. And actually, it's the same thing with Annalise. She doesn't see any kind of sleep paralysis figure or something like that. The I think, shadow man? I think it's because both times I was actually on my stomach when I was having it. So I couldn't see anything. Yeah. Because I was face down. Oh, that's horrible. Uh, it's t- It feels like you're drowning. Oh, my is what God. It, does. it feels like you're drowning and like rigor mortis has set in. And you're dead. It's genuinely terrifying. Yeah, it feels like you're dying for a split second. That's it's fucking awful. Um, <clears throat> scary. I actually had it at sixteen too. I don't know what's I don't know what's up with that. That's a weird age. I guess so. So in 1968, when this happened, sleep paralysis wasn't really known, or at least it was, but it wasn't really fully studied. So this is a something that could be easily misconstrued construed as something to do with demonic possession especially if you're already religious beforehand you know uh like her family is i'm not trying to be too biased by mm-hmm. the way in the other direction uh so take any any of my opinions with a grain of salt i'm a little bit of a firm believer that this, this is all mental illness yeah so she described this moment as uh, she woke up in her bed around midnight and she felt like a heavy weight on her chest and she tried to scream for help, but she couldn't catch her breath. And she couldn't move her body at all. And when it, it kind of like built up and then it ended with her peeing her, the bed. And now all of that sounds exactly the same, except I didn't piss myself. Yeah. Um, literally the w- heavy weight on the chest. Yeah, I, I was trying to scream. I can't remember who was there, but I was trying to scream for them. You can't like you literally it feels like you can hear yourself saying it in your head, but nothing's cut. Oh, it's fucking awful. Um, so like I said, she got up and peed herself and she didn't see any kind of demon sleep paralysis demon, which is a commonly reported symptom. Like I said, I didn't see that either. So it's not something that's for sure going to happen. Uh, like I thought I thought it was a for sure thing. So I'm glad it didn't because that'd be fucking awful. Yeah. I I would not. Oh my Jesus, fuck! That would tear. That would scare the shit out of me. Yeah, it would. So the day after this, uh, she told her mom and let her know that it's how bad it scared her and just kind of the situation in general. And uh, after all this, she just kind of went back to life as normal. Mm-hmm. Now, the next incident didn't happen until the next year in August 1969. It was the same thing. She blacked out and went into a trance-like state in the middle of class. And later that night, she also had a second case of sleep paralysis. Wow. Um, it's weird to me how both times the day she has sleep paralysis, she has this weird trance-like state thing. Mm-hmm. Where she just blacks out. I think those are seizures. Like yeah. a certain type of seizure where she blacks out uh-huh. like that. Uh, we'll talk about it later. So after the second time... Uh, Anna decided to take Annalise to the family physician, Dr. Vought. Now, Dr. Vought's going to come back, so remember that name. Actually, all these names are going to come back. So there's a lot of characters in this story. Now, Dr. Vought referred Annalise to a neurologist, Dr. Siegfried Luthi, mm-hmm. or just Dr. Luthi, I'll be calling him. And Anna was uh, supposedly very dramatic and would not, like, when she got recommended to a nerve doctor. And she wouldn't stop asking, why do we need to go to nerve doctor? Why do we need to go to nerve doctor? You she know, she was worried. She was worried, but supposedly, like you know, that's normal. But from what I read, she was like overdoing it. Yeah. Like, like she just got diagnosed with like terminal cancer, 
two days left to live kind of overreacting. Yeah. Not that you should I mean, you could overreact I, to that. I think you, you know should what I mean. take it seriously, but Of course. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying what the book said. I to me, I don't know. I think Like how far <laughs> is too far for a parent? You know? If they were less concerned, you would say it was neglectful or something. Anna was very weirdly very scared that rumors would spread about Annalise. So she just told Annalise not to say anything about what was going on. Uh, so she didn't, at Keep least for a little wraps, bit. Yeah. So Dr. Luthi performed an exam and did a, a verbal questioning. Uh, I don't know what other kind of questioning there would be. I don't know why I said verbal questioning. Like a physical questioning. Yeah, what the fuck does that mean? Like a, a beat down interrogation? Like a spiritual questioning. Well, there's going to be a lot of spiritual questionings later on, actually. So there we go. Yeah. So Luthi determined that there was nothing wrong with Annalise, at least at during this appointment and uh, regardless of this he scheduled her for an eeg scan and when that happened it indicated normal brain activity and dr luthi raised suspicions that annalise could be experiencing symptoms of grand mal seizures but at this time there were no prescriptions given because he wasn't a hundred percent sure the first time we recorded this jessica when the first blackout thing happened she was like i bet she's having a seizure and then this came up, and she was so excited that she called it. Do you remember that? I get so excited when I call things because, like, I knew it. I wish we had that. I mean, I have the episode, but it sounds like <laughs> shit. I'm going to put a clip of it right now of the audio. Oh, my God. You would not want to listen to a podcast like that. We sound like a fucking robot. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Conspiracy Crimes and Cannabis. I'm your host, Chris, and this is my co-host, my wife, Jessica. All right. So uh, after uh, both these moments and the EEG scan... Uh, later in 1969, Annalise began to constantly complain about a sore throat, and she eventually had to go get a tonsillectomy, which I also definitely need to do. She had to drop out of school for the next year because she contracted both pleurisy and pneumonia, which was only made worse when she also caught tuberculosis. So she's just fucking getting hit back to back to back with all these fucking things. At the same time, she gets a tonsillectomy and then immediately gets pleurisy, pneumonia, and tuberculosis at the same time. God damn. So like I said, she dropped out of school for the next year because of all the sickness. And in February of 1970, she was admitted to a children's hospital for lung diseases in Aschaffenburg. And a little later that month, she was transferred again to a different specialized clinic in Middleburg, Bavaria. And when she was living in these hospitals, for whatever reason, I couldn't, I think it's just because kids are assholes, they would constantly pick on her. Uh, I don't know why. They gave her the nickname Snot Nose, and that's very important, so remember that uh, for later. But any letters that she got from her home to, to the, you know, the hospital, all of them were just about religion, and she kind of didn't like that, but she was happy to receive the letters regardless. And she would pray to the rosary every day as a tradition to keep herself happy. A third sleep paralysis incident. Wait, paralysis? Paralysis, right? Jesus Christ. I'm actually high. Paralysis. <laughs> the cer- the, 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 fuck, I can't talk. A third sleep paralysis incident came on June 3rd, 1970, when Annalise, around midnight yet again, with all the same symptoms as before, including wetting the bed. The second she was able to move, she let out a loud scream, and nurses rushed to her. When they got to her, I can't do this anymore. 
When they got to her, she was already feeling better, and she cleaned and moved herself to a different bed. Or she, the nurses moved her, sorry, not herself. Mm-hmm. The day after this, all the kids in the hospital started teasing and humiliating her even more, and some of the kids started to tell her that she was possessed by the devil. Uh, so that fucking right there almost Mm-mm-mm. just solidifies this entire story for me, but it's okay. Mm-mm-mm. Don't forget, they called her snot nose. I wasn't lying. That's going to come back up in part two. It wasn't. Mm-mm. No It's going to come back in part two, so don't forget that shit, all right? Go into your iPhone no or your Android phone. Open up your notes or your notebook app and write it in there. Snot nose part two next week. Put snot in your calendar. Nose. Set a reminder. Don't all forget it. it. So... One day while praying to her rosary, Annalise started to smell something in her diary that she wrote as similar to Violet's. Just kind of out of nowhere, she started smelling it. And she began to feel euphoric, she said, that, and that colors and sounds were more vivid. And the students that were, I, I don't know if they were students or what, but the in that hospital, in the book it said students, so I don't know. <laughs> and maybe they had a school thing there. Uh, they said, again, she was in another trance-like state and that she had her arms stretched out with her hands like cat claws. I'm picturing like a cartoon mummy, you yeah. know, like Coming this. out the crypt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You guys couldn't you see mean. when I said like this. We need a video. I get what you mean. When it says she smelled something like violets, that immediately screams seizures to me, right? That's because sussy. Don't you smell stuff but oranges before you have a seizure? I thought it was, yeah, oranges, but I think it could be anything. But similar to violets, that's probably that's not far off. Yeah. It's really not. It's strange. Because I doubt you're smelling oranges. You're smelling something like oranges. It's kind of crazy, yeah. So I don't know. That I to me that points to seizure. a seizure right there, again, with that uh weird trance like state. Mm-hmm. So she said that the euphoric feeling lasted all the way until the next day, and she was convinced, for whatever reason, that this was the work of the Virgin Mary. So after wow. this, huh? Wow. Oh, the wow. Virgin <laughs> Mary. Huh? Yep. So Annalise was sent to Dr. Von uh, Haller, or Haller, I'm going to say Haller, Dr. Von Haller for a second EEG test. And the first one didn't show anything, but this time it came up with, quote, Irregular alpha wave patterns mixed with scattered delta and theta waves. I'm not even going to try explaining that. She was prescribed anti-seizure, uh, Jesus Christ, anti-seizure medicine. Uh, but it, I've seen it debated whether she even took the medicine at all. I kind of think she did. There's like something's pointing to she did later on in the story. But I wouldn't be surprised if she was very off and on with it or if she just didn't take it at all. It wouldn't surprise me. I feel like there were some points where she was better, so that maybe could mean that she was taking it. It's possible. Annalise really liked that euphoric, almost like a that high she kind of had, you know? Yeah. And she kept trying to recreate that feeling. And anytime she couldn't induce it, which she didn't get that feeling again, so anytime she tr- tried to induce it and couldn't, she would come up with excuses, and one of them, the main one she would give, is that the Virgin Mary was just currently helping other people at the time, so she couldn't get to her right now. She was busy. She was busy. She was on hold. One day while praying to the rosary, Annalise reported seeing a flash of a, like a creepy smiling face that left her with like a deep sense of like terror and dread. 
And after this happened, she wrote a letter back home saying that she was scared to pray to the rosary again because of this. And regardless of whether she did or didn't pray to the rosary, she kept reporting more faces flashing at her throughout the rest of her life. Wow. We just had to close. Yeah. There's a, a fucking garbage truck right outside, so we had to close Being our window. And now I lost my fucking place. Oh, yeah, the virgin. Um, so eventually Annalise was deemed fit to leave this clinic and she was discharged back home. It should be noted, like I said, this is some kind of proof that she might have been taking her meds. Uh, after she was prescribed medicine, the trance-like states that she would fall into, they stopped. Um, I think those were seizures. She was prescribed anti-seizure medicine. That, to me, is proof that she... Not proof, but it's a, it's a good sign that, that at least taken. at first she was taking them. But we're not going to be talking about any of those incidents again. But the flashing faces, those appearing faces, those would keep happening until the day she died. When Annalise returned back home, it was immediately apparent to everyone the huge change in personality. And her sister Roswitha, or Roswitha, I don't know what a weird fucking name. Her sister Roswitha said that she was always irritable and, un- and unhappy. And Annalise started to have more and more angry outbursts as she started to grow more and more distant. And all the members of her church started to, to take a quick notice of the difference in her and especially as Annalise started to show signs of resenting the Catholic Church. Annalise reportedly stopped taking her medicine at some point, and the seizures began to come back. She would freeze out of nowhere with an angry face, which is fucking terrifying, terrifying. and she would pee the bed again. Great. Uh, Or just wherever she was. However, Anna only got more and more strict with her daughter as these symptoms worsened, and if this was mental health, that is not going to help. And that could easily be seen as something that would just continue to let this happen. Yeah. I, I think it's epilepsy mixed with mental health because there is clearly seizures going on here. Yeah, agreed. At some point uh, in the beginning of her 1970 to 71 school year, Annalise had another episode of sleep paralysis. She didn't have the trance-like state, but... The sleep paralysis was all the same uh, when she was going to bed. And after this happened, her mother took her to see Dr. Reichelt, who referred her to Dr. Packhauser. Not much is known about the Dr. Packhauser visits, but Dr. Packhauser did write a note to Dr. Vogt, if you remember the family physician, the first doctor, expressing a lot of worry for Annalise and her seizures And the more doctor visits came and went without really any kind of real help, the more Annalise became frustrated. And to help cope, she started to read tons of Christian books as a way to seek some kind of spiritual help if she wasn't going to be getting the help from the doctors. And as she delved deeper, she began to believe that everything that was happening to her was for a great spiritual reason. By 1973, Annalise started studying to become a teacher, and uh, her mother, this is something her mother, Anna, decided was best for her, for whatever reason. Hey, you're fucking dying. You you constantly are sick. You're having seizures all the time, but let's get you studying to be a teacher. Uh, Because also, by 1973, when this was happening, she had worsened a lot. She couldn't pay attention in her class or finish any of her assignments, and... A good chunk of the morning, she just wouldn't even get out of bed. On multiple occasions, she confessed to her therapist that she thought about suicide but was too scared to go through with it. 
All of her hallucinations started to worsen, and the meds that she had didn't seem to do as much if she was even taking them at all. In March of 1973, the hallucinations uh, got worse and worse and started to escalate. Uh, she was starting to hear knocking sounds at her door while she laid in her bed. And her family could not hear any of the sounds she was hearing. So Anna took her to, took her to Dr. Vocht, who referred her to an audiologist. Or audiologist? I don't know. Mm. But when testing was done there, it revealed no hearing issues. <laughs> and someone supposedly uh, suggested to the family, the McKell family, that this could be demonic possession, probably someone in their church. And as soon as this was suggested to her, Anna suddenly began to report hearing those noises too. I don't believe that. (laughs) I think that's just some bullshit, but I think that's such placebo or she's lying straight up. That's just ridiculous to me. I don't know. Also in 1973, Anna... Our Annalise saw Dr. Luthi, uh, remember their neurologist from the beginning. She saw him four different times uh, in which Dr. Luthi kept an eye on her progress. Uh, he prescribed her another anti-seizure medicine called Zentropil. And once the times had, or sorry, once the times, once the meds had time to settle in, if she was even taking them at all, another EEG was performed with normal results. Now, in another book, The Exorcism of Annalise McKell by Felictas Goodman, the author claims that Annalise never told Dr. Luthi about her hallucinations, the visual or auditory ones. Uh, so this, I maybe if he did, this could have been gone a different way with diagnosis-wise. Yeah. Um, supposedly, she didn't tell anyone until September 3rd, 1973, when Annalise told Dr. Luthi that the devil was inside of her, and that a judgment of fire would be visited upon everyone. Dr. Luthi stated that Annalise was obsessed with the thought of Satan being inside her, and that she was, quote, random in thought. And he also said that she should not be allowed to make choices for herself in this state. Which, I mean, you gotta be pretty far gone, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. So near the same time as that September 3rd, 1973 meeting with Dr. Luthi, where she confessed the hallucinations... Annalise started meeting with Father Ernst Alt, uh, very important in the story, Father Alt. And Alt was a firm believer that Annalise was in fact possessed by demons. Uh, He claimed to be psychic and telepathic, and he had the ability to know for a fact if someone was possessed by demons or not. Uh, Nothing to back that up, just he has those powers, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, in 1978, this is after the trial happens, psychiatrists determined that Father Alt had a, quote, abnormal personality in the wildest sense of the term. Parts of his prehistory, as he reported them, even suggest the presence of a psychosis of the schizophrenic type. So Father Alt told people, like other religious figures that he knew, that he would see visions of Jesus Christ and that Jesus would call out to him saying, for you, before he disappeared. So I would not be surprised if that uh, psychiatry evaluation was right with the presence of a psychosis of the schizophrenic type. Mm -hmm. Sounds a little like Annalise. Yeah. Annalise started meeting also with another priest, a retired priest actually, named Father Ehrman, uh, in a total of 10 times throughout 1973 and 1975. And during these visits, they would discuss for around half an hour they lasted. uh, She would talk about her life. And then they would pray to the rosary. In 19... Se- sounds like a lot of fun, right? Yeah. Ah. Can't wait to go to those sessions. 
1977, during the investigation uh, into Annalise's death, Airman made comments about the visits. Uh, he said that Annalise often claimed that she was no longer herself and that someone else was controlling her. But he also said that contrary to what Anna said, remember the mom? Uh, Anna would say that Annalise would have violent outbursts constantly, and Airman said he never saw this side of her. Whether that means she wasn't as bad as Anna was saying, or maybe it just wasn't around Airman. I think that's possible, too. I'm sure her family could be a total trigger for her, right? Because it seems like a lot of the, the, the religious demonic possession thinking comes from her mom drilling it into her head, right? And so I, yeah. I feel like that's why maybe she could be worse around her family. Like, a, like a, it sets her off. Agreed, yeah. In September of 1974, while visiting Father Alt, Annalise said that she, quote, could not cope with reality. Later that same year, Annalise began to start having a full mental breakdown when she began to show different personalities. Uh, she would swap between these personalities really randomly and really quickly, and all of her hallucinations increased in frequency and vividness. She also reported to have frequent violent outbursts uh, in between uh, seizures. Yeah, that makes sense. On May 15, 1975, Annalise's grandmother died, and she, Annalise was very close to her grandma, so that could be seen as a you know something that could push her over could the edge. Something. But on top of that, during basically the exact same time, her sister moved away to wow. start a job. And both of these things, just like I said, a fucking one-two punch earlier. I was talking about that one-two punch, remember? Yeah. You remember? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, both these things are just hit her really hard and really quickly together. So this just kind of set her off. And uh, coincidentally, maybe coincidentally, maybe not. Maybe it's because she had some triggers. Maybe it is demonic possession. I don't know. This is when she started to report that she was possessed by six different demons. Cain, Nero, Adolf Hitler, yep. Fleischmann, Judas, and Lucifer. Wow. So these names are going to be very important, and we're actually going to play some very scary sounding audio for you in a second uh, pertaining to these six demons. But throughout this year, this whole year of uh, 1975, Father Alt and, and a new character, Father Arnold Renz, very important. The two main priests in this story are Father Alt and Father Renz. They both visit her very frequently. And constantly, they would say that they believe that this was not mental illness and she was, in fact, possessed by demons. So now we're going to be getting into... a. I thought we actually were going to end here, but I forgot we get a little bit into part two and part one, actually. So we're going to start uh, dipping into the exorcisms. We're going to uh, cover the first one, and then we're going to end part one. But for, from now on, our uh, source for all this information is Annalise McKell, A True Story of a Case of Demonic Possession by Lawrence LeBlanc. So Father Alt met with Father Renz to ask about performing an exorcism. Uh, he wanted, he's the one that had the idea to do this, uh, Father Alt was. So Renz wrote a letter to Bishop Strangle for permission... <laughs> Jesus, what a fucking name. For permission to perform the exorcism. And Bishop Strangle wrote back a letter, and I have it right here. Reverend fellow priests, after due consideration and with good information, I now charge the Reverend Father Renz, Salvatorian, Superior in Rukshapak, 
to that's a fucking sick rapper name fucking sick rap name rukshapak uh superior and rukshapak to proceed with analyzer within the terms of cic can 11511 for some time my prayers have been directed to this concern may god give us his help I thank sincerely everyone for their efforts. With best wishes and with my blessing, Bishop of Wurzburg. So, Wurzburg. Bishop of Wurzburg. On September 24th, 1975, at around 4 p.m., this is when Annalise's first exorcism out of a total of 67. Holy shit. That's just wow. so fucking crazy. Ridiculously high. Her first out of 67... September 24th, 1975, 4 p.m. That's when it was performed. Now, Annalise supposedly spoke with everyone beforehand, acting reportedly very normal. Her sisters, Roswitha and Barbara, were there. Her parents, Annalise's boyfriend, Peter, which there's not really any information on when they started dating. He just kind of pops up. Another Peter named Peter Hine. I don't know who that is. That name also just pops up. Father Alt, Airman. Father Roth, and Father Renz. So when it started, she was calm and she was quiet, but it kind of turned when Father Renz sprinkled holy water on her, probably just bottled water, um, and she started to act violently. She screamed in rage, and Father Renz made a cross symbol over her, which made the violence worse. According to Annalise, she has full memory of everything that happened during all these sessions, but unlike other cases of possession, Annalise... Oh, sorry. I fucked it up. Unlike a lot of other cases of demonic possession, at least stories, I'm saying cases like it's true, Annalise remembered having... Remembered everything that happened. Uh, Like I said, it's not normal for demonic possession cases. Annalise was held down during these, but anyone that attempted to hold her down would get kicked at and bite bit at so uh, she was kind of going off when holy water was introduced to her she would scream in german remember it's all in german it makes it even fucking scarier when we play the audio (laughs) (laughs) she would scream put away that shit the group of the people ended off with a prayer which made annalise furious and this ended a session of three and a half hours straight uh everyone including annalise was hopeful that this would help and clearly it didn't yeah. So why not try it 66 more times? Yeah. Well, hey, got to keep trying. It's going to work eventually, right? Yeah. She's possessed. It's so clear. Obvious. It's so clear. Obvious. I mean, hey, it all better the doubt. It's the 70s. They don't know as much as we do now, but come on. How far behind can you be? I don't know. Hey, it's Germany. Who knows where they were? They're they're putting out that medicine that makes babies have like three eyes and four legs. Know. Do you remember that? Thalidomide? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Thalidomide? I don't know if it's called that. Thalidomide. Holy shit. We are talking about this. Yep. Thalidomide. Yeah. Fucking crazy story. Look at the babies that it would produce. Let's see it. That's horrible. That poor child. Yeah. Its feet are... It's So its butt is in the front because its bottom half is completely turned around and then its feet are... Chris is getting descriptive. well, because they can't see it. Yeah, we're talking about thalidomide, man. That's so awful. That's a drug that came out of Germany that they knew. They told everyone it wouldn't affect pregnant women because it helped with morning sickness, I think, or something. Uh, I, I don't remember fully. 
and they knew it did and then all these babies came out like this and it was like this right. huge tragedy a bunch of them didn't survive this isn't an episode on thalidomide whatever let's keep going the first session was not taped but every other session after this they decided to start recording Annalise said that the demons would speak through her and that she knew and remembered what they were saying, but she had no control over it. Now, during the time of these exorcisms, Annalise's parents would not talk about any of these sessions or what was going on in the house to any medical professional, and they stopped seeking medical help uh, on advice from the fathers. So, And of course she's going to take it over a medical professional's. Alright, so we're going to end the episode off here. Uh, but before we end it completely, we're going to play you some very creepy audio. I'm not going to show it to Jess right now because last time I already showed her and got her first reaction. But holy shit. I, it's creepy. It genuinely, for a, for a little bit, changed my mind on... I Honestly, when I hear this audio, it makes me think it's demonic possession. It is fucking terrifying. So if you remember, the six demons that she said possessed her were Cain, Nero... Hitler, Fleischmann, Judas, and Lucifer. We're going to talk a little bit more about Fleischmann next week. Uh, some people use this Fleischmann demon as proof that she was possessed, and we're going to get into some debunking. I love debunking. Debunking. Um, but we're going to say that for next week, like I said. So I have seven clips of audio to play for you. We're going to start off with Annalise's normal voice. And then we're going to get into from the actual audio tapes of all the sessions that were recorded, not the first one, all 66, the last ones. We're going to listen to the vo- the voices of what she said were these six demons. It is very, if if you get creeped out easily, I'm sure you're already maybe a little creeped out. I don't know. I, I feel like I do not tell it creepy at all. I tell it, I'm just making fun of this story the whole time, really. I actually I do love this story. It's very interesting, but it is very creepy. And la- it's daytime right now. Last time we recorded this, it was like nine p.m. It I was, was spooky. I was getting freaked out, and I don't get freaked out like that. All right, so we're gonna play Annalise's normal voice first right now. Yeah, I and then the next voice we're gonna play is Kane. Okay, and then we're gonna play Nero. All right, this is the voice of Adolf Hitler. Okay, this is Fleischmann, sick-ass name. Sick-ass. By the way, Fleischmann's first name, Valentin. Oh, wow. Valentin Fleischmann. (laughs) 
All right, Judas. And uh, Lucifer. so creepy i just i just totally listened to it right now i just listened to it 100 percent right now i didn't i didn't just say the names and then put it in after editing never all right guys well that's where we're ending part one uh all right we got shit to do today so we're just gonna we're just gonna get out of here but let's hit our pens together i'll record the outro and then we'll we'll take another hit of the pen a double hit cheers across the table Fuck. Oh, Jesus Christ. That... Okay. Well, fuck. I should probably give myself a second before I do the outro. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you're new here, make sure to follow us, whether you're on Spotify or Apple Music, or give us a five-star rating. If you're on Apple Music, leave us a review, a typed-out review, and I'll, I'll read the cool ones on the next episode, if we even get any. No one listens to us. At least no one leaves reviews. We do get some listens. I wish you could see what Jess is doing. She's like dancing. Anyways. I'm uh, like reacting to what he says with gestures. <laughs> so, like I said, follow us. Uh, if, you, if, if, if you are... N- oh my god, that stutter. I'm stubbering. If you are new here, like I said, new episodes every Wednesday. And we have a second show that we do called Lazy Sunday. And that comes out every Sunday. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? Two episodes a week? Are you kidding? And you don't even have to pay for it? It's all free? Come on. It's a steal. All right. Uh, Our social medias, uh, actually, it's really only two things. Uh, Instagram, at CCAC Podcast. Follow us on there. It's really not that awesome, but still follow us. And like our posts. Uh, And our website, theccacpodcast.com has all our information on there in one place. You can find our episodes. Um, You can contact us through our email straight through the website. Or if you want to send an email directly, it's contactccacpodcast at gmail.com. And you can send us stories through there or suggestions or nice little letters or anything like that any inquiries hey manscaped you want to fucking sponsor us with your ball razor ball sack razor send me one i'll review it all right okay that's all we really have to do right what else is that it oh yeah 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 yeah. come back next week annalise mikhail part two but also i'm really excited because after that we're getting into aliens for the first time it's gonna be fucking 
very funny. It's a very funny story. Alright, well, thank you so much for listening. You ready? Oh, pen hit, pen hit, pen hit. I said we're gonna do a double. A double, double whammy. There you go. Cheers. Very good. Very tasty. Very weed. <coughs> oh, fuck. Alright, you ready? Bye. You're so quiet. You gotta do it loud already. Do it as loud as you can. Bye. Bye. There we go. There we go. Yeah, you're a lot. Actually, it looks the exact same. Oh. <laughs>